Good morning, City Bible Church. Today in our series, Transformations, we're going to be looking at the topic of anxiety. How many of us are struggling with anxiety this morning? If that's you, I think that God has a message for you to help you today. Our series, Transformations, has been based on Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where if I could just contextualize and summarize what Paul was saying there in light of our topic of anxiety today, I think Paul would have said something like this, Christian, church, in this world, you will have anxiety. The world will want to conform you to its cares and fears to paralyze you in that anxiety. But today, as you submit your life unto God, as you, he renews your mind with his truth, and as you submit your life to his will, he will help you to find a direction for your life that is good and acceptable and perfect for you. And so today we're going to be looking at the topic of anxiety, and we're going to be uh, focusing on a man named Job in the Old Testament. Job suffered more and went through more anxiety than any other single person in the entire Old Testament, and probably in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus himself and perhaps the Apostle Paul. Job uh, happened, and his life happened during the time of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, he uh, lived in an area called Uz, which we think is modern-day uh, Saudi Arabia in the northwestern corner. Job was the greatest man of his time. He was wealthy, he was married, he had 10 children, and he was uh, held in high esteem by the people around him. And yet a tragic series of events came upon his life in a very short period of time. Thieves, the Chaldeans, the Sabians, uh, stole his property and killed his servants. There was a whirlwind that came down and landed on a house where his 10 children uh, were staying in, and it immediately, immediately killed them all. Job uh, lost his health. There was uh, an outbreak of, of uh, sores that broke over his entire body. In fact, he was in such agony. At one point, he said he took broken pieces of pottery and started to scrape off the sores that has worms growing underneath his skin. And so Job was a bloody, oozy, smelly mess from head to toe. Unbeknownst to Job, God was allowing Satan, at Satan's request, to test Job, to see if Job would abandon God, Job would curse God. Ultimately, it was a test that Job would pass, and he was faithful to God. Listen to the words of Job describe this agony, this suffering, this anxiety in his life. In Job chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, Job says this, For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. I wonder how many of us can relate to that this morning. Uh, again, Job describes in a metaphor what was happening to him as, as this mountain of rocks that was crushed and came falling down upon him. Job chapter 14, verse 18 and 19, he says, But the mountain falls and crumbles away, and the rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones, the torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you destroy the hope of man. Job described his suffering and his anxiety as a time of continual trouble and fear 
and dread, something that had come upon him, that had befallen him. It was a time where he said he had no ease, no quiet, no rest. It was almost like this mountain that had been destroyed and was falling upon him, rocks crashing down upon him like asteroids, causing him anxiety. I wonder, for us listening here today, uh, what asteroid is falling upon your life this morning? What anxiety-inducing asteroid is threatening to fall upon you, causing you great anxiety? It may not be uh, as big as the asteroid that fell upon Job's life, but it doesn't mean that God cares about you any less than he did about Job. Uh, I think during COVID, we've had this enormous asteroid fall upon our lives. We have anxiety over our health. We have anxiety over all of the rapid and total changes we've had to make in our lives. We had anxiety over the social isolation that we've experienced over the past 12 months. Uh, there's been an asteroid that has been falling upon some of you, um, causing you anxiety in terms of your workplace, and, and you're worried about if you're going to perform, if you're going to keep your job. Some of you have anxiety over um, uh, social gatherings. You have a discomfort around people. You wonder about what they think about you. Will they approve of you? Uh, you uh, it's very stressful for you simply to interact with people in anything other than a computer screen. Some of you have anxiety because you have a guilty conscience. And you've been hiding this dark, private sin. Uh, you've been struggling with that. Perhaps you shared it with others. And it's uh, been causing a source of anxiety. You can't just seem to get beyond it. Some of you have this asteroid that you've been dodging as you look to the future, as you think of the state of your marriage or your children. You wonder, uh, you know, what is the health of your marriage going to look like in the future? What will your children um, what's going to become of your children? Are we setting a good example for them? Or is the example we are setting for our children going to uh, reap negative things in their, in, as they grow up? Some of us have anxiety over an asteroid that is falling upon um, our family or our close friends. We wonder if um, they'll ever come to know Christ, if they will ever be saved or live eternity apart from the Lord and God's people. We have anxiety over the choices that we're making all around us. And so I think that this is a very important topic because uh, I think most, if not all of us, are struggling in some way with some form of anxiety, perhaps even long-standing anxiety in our lives. And so today what we want to do is we want to reflect on uh, anxiety, and we're going to look at uh, Job, specifically from chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 14 of the book of Job. And we're going to get some insights into Job's uh, journey with anxiety as he was dodging this asteroid and it was falling upon him. And, and how does God transform us in the midst of our anxiety? Now, it may not be an ultimate cure uh, in, by the end of this sermon for you, but I think it will give um, some good perspective, point us in the right direction towards God to involve him and to trust him amidst our anxiety. So we're going to look at five reflections this morning on that. Let's go to the first. Number one, Job dealt with his anxiety by expressing it. Job expressed his anxiety um, all throughout the book of Job. I don't necessarily trust Christians, or even Christian leaders for that 
respect, who have not been able to express that they've at some point struggled with anxiety in their own life and been humbled by it. I think that when you look at Christians or Christian leaders and you don't get the sense that they've suffered, that they have dealt with anxiety at a significant level, if it's related to their relationships or their health or their loved ones, um, I just don't think that that's reality. Life itself is an anxiety-inducing experience. And none of us emerge unscathed without anxiety. Uh, listen to Job in Job chapter 7, verse 1, him describe his anxiety-inducing experience of his life. He says, Has not man a hard service on earth, and are not his days like the days of a hired hand? Job 14, verse 1, he says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Job expressed his anxiety throughout um, the book of Job. In fact, he cried out to God. He voiced his anguish towards God. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 7, verse 11. He said, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. The book of Job is 42 chapters, and of those 42 chapters, 20 of those chapters, of the 42 chapters, are simply Job expressing his anguish. That's almost half of the entire book of Job expressing his anguish. And I wonder, um, in your life, in my life, do we give space to express our anxiety? Do do you have an expression to where you're sharing that with God? You're sharing that with others. Um, you're journaling that. You're praying to God. You're um, maybe even talking to yourself in, in your private moments and kind of working it out. I, I, I often talk to myself and, and people notice, but that's often me working that out in my mind or even some of the things that make me anxious. But I think it's very important that we start from this place is that Job spent half of his time in the book of Job simply expressing his thoughts, expressing his anguish, expressing his anxiety uh, because he was going through such a difficult time. And the one of the worst things that you can do, Christian, is to go through a long period or an intense period of anxiety and simply hold it in, not express it to God, not express it to others, not express it verbally or through your thoughts or write, write it down. And because it just builds up and it becomes uh, this explosive, pressure-filled situation that I think uh, unburdening ourselves a little bit of that anxiety is important from time to time. So I think we need to begin there to understand that uh, expression of anxiety is not just what Job did, but uh, it's what we should do as well. Number two, Job had a journey with anxiety by questioning Questioning God. Job questioned God repeatedly. Sometimes we feel bad about uh, giving God our questions or even questioning God, but there is a difference between questioning God and judging God. What Job did was he questioned God, but he didn't cast judgment upon God to turn his back upon God. And there's a difference. Um, I wonder how many of us we uh, have gone through this season of anxiety and we've been questioning God. We have questions like, how did I get 
into this situation, God? Is this fair to me, God? Um, am I the only one who's struggling with this situation, this issue, God? Or what about that other person? Why don't they have to deal with this? Why? What makes me the special one? Uh, when is this going to end, God? Am I going to make it, God? Are you going to bring this to an end? Are you going to save me? And will I live to regret uh, some of the choices that I'm making amidst this season of anxiety, God? Um, Job had many questions for God. Listen to Job in Job chapter 7, verse 19 through 21. He says, How long will you not look away from me, nor leave me alone till I swallow my spit? If I sin, what do I do to you, you watcher of mankind? Why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I shall lie in the earth. You will see, seek me, but I shall not be. Job questioned God, but that's different than passing judgment on God. See, when we pass judgment on God, what we end up doing is we grumble towards God, we complain towards God, we doubt God with the intention or with the result of dismissing God, with the intention or the result of leaving God in the end. And Job did not do that. He questioned God, but he didn't pass judgment on God in order to say, God, um, this is my understanding, what's going on. I'm letting you know I'm out of here, or I curse you, or I'm dismissing you, and I'm, I'm dismissing everything I believe about. Job did not do that, but he did question God, and there is a difference. See, when we question God, uh, we are expressing our anxiety. We are involving God in our journey, but we are not dismissing him. What we are doing is we are searching for him. We may not get the answers. In fact, Job, uh, as far as we can tell, never got the answer of the ultimate cosmic why of what he was going through. But he was searching for God when he was questioning God. And I think another important difference is that when Job was questioning God, he was actually open to answers from God. In the end of the book of Job, we know in the final few chapters that God actually does direct re reply back to Job. And Job listens to this as God turns to him, him and he says, um, you know, um, th this is who I am. This is who you are. And uh, I see what's going on. I'm in control. And Job actually received that as an answer and he repented. And so it shows that even in his questioning of God, when God made clear to him that God understood, that God saw, that God was in control, and that God had a plan, uh, Job could receive that answer. Are we questioning God this morning, or are we passing judgment on God this morning amidst our anxiety? And God invites questions, but he does not give his favor to uh, our passing of judgment upon him. And so there's a difference in that. Number three. Job dealt with his anxiety not only in expressing it, in questioning God, but also that uh, he actually came to the point where he wanted to die. He expressed that um, death would at times be preferable to him rather than continuing to go through the anxiety that he was facing. And so Job expressed that he wanted to die amidst his anxiety. Uh, Job chapter 6, verse 
8 through 10, Job says, Oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. This would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain unsparing, for I have not denied the words of the Holy One. Job wanted his misery to end. And uh, in a sense, he was ready to die. But he was not willing to take his life to escape his anxiety. And even though Job was in such pain and suffering and anxiety, and he just wanted it to end because he knew that uh, he'd been faithful to God and he knew if his life ended, he would be with God. He was not willing to take it as far as taking his own life. If God wanted to take his life, that was a different thing that he could receive, but he would only take that so far. And there are times when you can meet people who, um, who go through much agony in life, uh, anguish, anxiety. And, and it's not just because it's a one-time event or a dramatic occurrence, a, a big loss or uh, a diagnosis from the doctor um, or season, but they just go from season to season. And it, it maybe perhaps as long as you've known them, they've gone through um, just this uh, mode of constant anxiety, anxiety to anxiety. And maybe it's one thing and it's the, the other, and they're just anxious about this. And uh, I want to share with you a, a story, uh, something that I, I learned a few weeks ago about um, a friend of mine that I met uh, when we did our first church plant down in Long Beach, uh, you know, over 15 years ago. And I'll just call him M. Um, and I, I posted something on my Facebook uh, about a week or two ago. But I'm going to read to you his story because he was probably the most anxious person I have ever met in my entire life. And the entire time that I knew him over a period of 15 years, uh, he was always struggling with anxiety. And I'll just read this to you. It says, uh, I, that's me, met M 15 years ago in 2006 in downtown Long Beach. Our new church had just started a book club to meet people in the area. M walked in the door at one of our first meetings. He was middle-aged, alone in life, and unemployed. His life had been one of hardship. He was pleasant to be around, but opinionated, especially on topics of politics and the economy. We would drive him home after book clubs and invite him to hang out with us at various social gatherings. We also invited him to visit our church, but he always politely declined. After two years of coming to the book club, in 2008, M decided to move to Seattle to start his life over again. After his move, we lost contact. We would talk every few years to catch up, but nothing beyond that. Two years ago, in 2019, he reached out to me saying that he had hit rock bottom, accomplishing none of his goals for his life. He lived in Seattle still, uh, but and still considered me to be one of his closest friends. What an honor. He told me that his cat of 10 years had died. I sent him some money to help him out and so that he could buy another cat, maybe two cats, to keep him company when he was ready. He did. He made it, we made it a point to talk more often. And on one of our calls, I asked him if I could tell him about Jesus Christ and his love and forgiveness and new life he offers to him. M was never open before, but he was now. I bought him a Bible and we started doing Bible studies together over the phone. And at one point I asked him this question, M, what is stopping you from giving your life to Jesus? He said, nothing. 
I asked him if he would like to do that right now over the phone. He said yes. And it was there on the phone that he prayed to the Lord for forgiveness and asked for him to come into his life. And from that moment on, he would commit to follow him as Lord. Through tears, he did then and there. We did more Bible studies afterwards, and I said I would look for a church for him in the area. I found one that I thought would be a good one and connected him with uh, one of the pastors. M started going to the church services there, joined in prayer meetings and a Bible study. I told M last year that if he decided to get baptized, that I would drive up to Seattle from L.A., COVID or no COVID, to attend his baptism. Today, I got a call. This is about two weeks ago. Today, I got a call from one of the pastors at his church that M died last week. When he didn't show up for the Bible study two weeks ago, the men got worried. The police found him collapsed in his apartment a day later. To the best of our knowledge, M had no relatives we can contact. I said to the pastor that I wanted to give a short video testimony for his funeral when they held it in the future. I believe at this very moment... M is in the presence of the Lord in heaven. He lived a difficult life and he made a lot of terrible decisions, but he got the most important one right. And as I reflect on uh, my friend, I recognize that he lived this lifetime of anxiety and uh, he had accomplished none of the goals that he had for his life, as he said earlier on. But It reminds me that uh, he endured to the end. And he might have had moments where he wanted to die. I I would guess that he did. But he never took that decision into his own hands. And he left that up to the Lord. And the Lord took him uh, when the Lord determined the time was right. And now I believe he's in the presence of the Lord. If you are out there this morning and you are going through continual anxiety. Um, What God wants you to know is that whatever you are going through, cast your burden upon him because he cares for you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. That's the apostle Peter saying in first Peter to us, the words of the Lord, Um, entrust yourself into the Lord's hand and he will take care of you. I think uh, that one of the best definitions of being a Christian, one of the most important definitions of being a Christian uh, in the Christian journey is who endures to the very end. Um, who endures through all of the anxiety that we all face to varying degrees to the very end. I would rather have Christians who struggle with anxiety but who endure and who entrust their lives into the Lord than to have Christian superstars who rise uh, like stars in the sky, but then fall as shooting stars uh, in immorality or uh, in some way walk away from Christ. And if you're out there and you're suffering from anxiety, um, let's learn from Job that though he wanted to die at times in his anxiety, uh, he knew he would go to a better place and he entrusted that into the Lord's hands and not took it into his own hands. Number four, Job dealt with anxiety by also uh, sharing with his friends. With his friends. He had a community of people, four friends, it's talked about in the, in the book of Job, as well as his wife, that he tried to share his anxiety with. 
And there were some positive things that his friends did to help Job. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu were his friends. And uh, it says in Job chapter 2 that when they heard of Job's agony and suffering, they went to him and for seven days they sat with him. And they wept with him. That's very good. They just listened to him and they just sat there and they, in the words of the New Testament, they mourned with those who mourn. And so that was very good. And another good thing that they did was um, throughout all of their advice, they did point Job to some true and good character uh, istics of, of who God is, that God is good. They said God is good. God is all-knowing. God is a righteous judge. And those are all true. However, the totality of their uh, counsel to Job was not good. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu, um, they, beyond those seven days, they were, were not really good listeners of Job. Uh, they condemned Job. They uh, came across as self-righteous. They often gave ungodly counsel. Uh, listen to some of the counsel that Job's friends and his wife gave to him at times. Eliphaz, at one point, turned to Job and said, uh, you are not pure, Job, and you do not fear God, and that is why you are suffering. Bildad, at one point, turned to Job and said this, your children that died, it was because of their own sin. Zophar uh, said to Job at one point, Job, uh, you deserve much worse than what you've gotten. Elihu, after the other three older friends had spoken, uh, when he's sharing his counsel to Job, he uh, at times misinterpreted what Job was saying, and he ascribed words to Job that Job never said. And perhaps the worst is Job's wife. At one point early on, Job's wife turns to him and she just says, Job, uh, you should just curse God and die. And so this counsel was from Job's friends. He, he turned to them for comfort, but he mostly got, um, it mostly made it worse in some ways. Uh, listen to what Job says in Job chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. He said, as he talks about this counsel, he said, He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes fear of the Almighty. My brothers are treacherous as a torrent, torrent, uh, torrent bend as torrential streams that pass away. Uh, he said later on that they were miserable comforters, all of them. And even God rebuked uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu uh, at, in chapter 42 and said, uh, you have not given Job good counsel and you need to sacrifice animals for your uh, repentance. And they did. And what this reminds us is if you're going through uh, a time of anxiety, it's very important not to just express it, uh, to, to give your questions to God, to, um, to, to not take your own life, but to also have friends around you, good friends that can empathize and, and sympathize and pray for you and give you good counsel. This is a warning of the kind of friends you don't want to be around because sometimes you can be around people who will play the role of Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu, where they won't be good listeners. They won't empathize with you. They'll listen, and then they'll turn it, start sharing about their own life, and it becomes about them. Uh, or they start condemning you, 
or they don't give you godly counsel. And you have to be very careful about that when you're going through anxiety is who you choose to share with and who are your friends that can support you and not tear you down. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, as many of you know, I, I've gone through uh, just a severe time of persecution for my faith. I made several decisions over the past few years um, to do what I felt was God's will, to do what I felt was biblical, and to stand up for righteousness. And I really suffered for that for a long time. I was persecuted uh, from several people, both inside and outside the church. And so there was one period where it just got really intense uh, last year. And so I went to some of my friends. I I called up uh, my friend Jay and and Nathan, who were part of our church, and I said, uh, hey, you guys, I need you to stand with me during this time. This is really intense, um, and here's what I'm going to ask you. Um, it, it might be a month or maybe two months, but I want to be able to talk to you guys maybe, I don't know, about five days a week or so, and it can just be for 10 minutes on the phone. Oftentimes, it was more than 10 minutes, and, uh, and I just want to be able to share and then have you pray for me. And will you brothers stand with me during this time of trial and persecution? And they did, to their credit. I mean, they were like, hey, you know what, brother? We're going to, um, we're going to stand with you as David's mighty men and we're going to go through this together. We're going to help bear the burden. We're going to pray for you. We're going to give you some godly counsel. And so we probably talked on average four or five nights a week for a long period of time. And I can honestly say, um, it would have been very difficult to make it through that time without these brothers in Christ. And so I'm very grateful for them that they did not play the role of Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu. They listened well, they prayed, they were supportive, and they strengthened this man of God to make it through that season in his life. Um, I always, I got a call from someone in our church who was going through a difficult time as well. Um, just a series of almost like Job-like, Job-like events that came into their life over a fa- fairly short period of time. And that was the counsel I gave to this person. I said, look, um, this is what I did several months ago, and I want to give you the same counsel. You should do this too. Go find, I would say, two people in the church who are believers and just say to them what I said to uh, Nathan and Jay and say, will you walk with me through this season? Can I just call you? Can you just pray for me? And, um, you know, if you're not free, and this is why I told the guys, if you're not free on any particular night, that's okay. We'll just go on to the next night. Um and, uh, and so that was my counsel to them because, you know, when you go through anxiety, you need to involve the body of Christ. That's what, um, the scriptures say, bear one another's sinful burdens. Um, and so you do the work in the law of Christ through that. So very important. And finally for today, uh, Job ultimately dealt with his anxiety by waiting, by waiting through it. Uh, it's a very hard thing to do. That might be one of the hardest things to do because we want to fix it. We want to get out of the situation. We want to uh, express our distress. And those uh, can be very good things. But in the end, anxiety, uh, Job realized, was about him waiting on the Lord. Job 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 14, Job says this, If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. He says, all the days of my service, I would wait till my reward should come. Job realized he must wait on the Lord. The Lord will reward him in the end, but he did not know how long he would wait. And 
when you're dealing with anxiety, uh, one of the things that we don't want to hear, but perhaps we need to hear, is our immediate reaction is to want to get out of the situation that we're in as fast as we can. And sometimes there is a solution there, but occasionally there's not. You know, maybe we try and do all these things and, and nothing has changed our situation. And we want to, what happens is we hold on to this hope of, you know, is this going to change next week or the week after that or tomorrow? And how fast can this change? And uh, that's understandable. We all do that. But sometimes uh, it might serve us better to resign ourselves to say, you know, while I would like to get out of this situation sooner than later and have go on with my life, uh, I also have to be open to be resigned that I may, might have to wait in this situation that is causing me anxiety. I might have to wait on the Lord for my situation to change. Sometimes that serves us uh, as well, if not better, because if we do end up in a situation where we have anxiety for a period of time, you know, there's a proverb that says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what that means is that if you constantly have hope for something to change right now, but it, you know, it's held off for a while, um, it makes your heart sick. And sometimes it's better, like Job, to say, um, all of my days of my service, um, I'm going to wait on the Lord, even though I don't want to be in this place. And we, waiting entrusts your present. It entrusts your future into God's hand. Waiting is about surrendering your life unto God. And uh, I, I think I came to that point in um, my own anxiety over the past few years is I realized after I had tried to do everything I could to escape these particular situations, as I evolved the body of Christ, um, it went on for a long time. And uh, I finally resigned myself to saying, okay, God, um, I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering not to the situation, but I'm surrendering to you. Uh, for for whatever reason, and I don't have to know why, even though I'd love to know why, um, you're, you have me here. And so uh, I've done everything I can, and so I'm still here, and so I'm going to surrender this into your hands. I'm going to wait upon you because you know, and you're good, and you're going to judge perfectly the situation and the, everyone involved, and so I'm going to trust in that. And I think that's what happened with Job, isn't it, at the end? When Job expressed his anxiety, when he questioned God, when he refused to take his own life, and when he uh, turned to his friends and his wife, ultimately, um, after all was said and done, God came to him at the end of Job and he said, um, you know, who is this who is speaking to me? Were you there when I created the earth? Were you, are you the one that holds everything together? I am God. I am the one that you were speaking to. And at the end of the book of Job, after God has questioned Job and he has understood that God is good and powerful and all-knowing, God has seen everything that has gone on and God has a plan. God is sovereignly in control and God is aware. When Job came to that realization, he surrendered and he said, God, um, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job uh, chapter 42, and he says, I now repent in sackcloth and ashes. And for Job, that I think was the ultimate end, end game to his anxiety. He was willing to finally surrender fully as he waited on God to 
to God and say, I don't understand God. I don't even know why. I may never, but you do. And you know, and you're good. And so that's all I need to know. And I think that really helped Job. And we know Job could not have known this at the time, but God, it says at the end of the book of Job, God blessed him with um, new children and, um, and, and his health and restored his wealth uh, doublefold. He came to that place where he understood that his life was in God's hands before that. And so uh, I think as we close today, if you are in a place of great anxiety, let's learn from Job. Let, let's not keep that in. Let's, let, let's express that to God. And God is not afraid of your questions, church. Um, he wants you to express yourself, um, not just in your anguish, but in your questioning to him, but not to judge him and not to abandon or curse him. God will not bless that. Job uh, needed friends. And you know what? You need friends too. You need friends to support you and to encourage you during this time and to stay away from the wrong people. Uh, No anxiety is worth your life. Your life is too precious to, uh, to God and to those around you for you to do anything about that. Though at times you may feel like you want your life to end, um, let's leave that into God's hands. And finally, uh, let's, let's pray and say, Lord, I need to wait on you. I, 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 I help me to, to wait on you, Lord, uh, because that's my ultimate expression of trust amidst my anxiety. I'd love to get out of this situation. I'd love to change things. I'd love to be in a better place, but maybe I'm not right now. And so, um, I'm going to demonstrate perseverance. I'm going to demonstrate endurance. I'm going to demonstrate trust because you've given me the grace to do that. And um, I'm going to surrender this into your hands. And because I know that your plan and your timing and your goodness and your judgment is far better than mine, Lord. And so I, I, I don't have to carry that weight on me in the same way I have. And maybe that's been a source of my anxiety. And so I pray that for you, church. I pray that amidst uh, your anxiety, know that you are not alone. Uh, you are in good company. Many of us are struggling with anxiety. And so let's not suffer on our own. Let's involve God. Let's involve God's people. And the Lord will lift you up in due time.